Welcome to a learntolearn.org podcast. We are here to support your learning, taking off the limits that we have accrued to our learning and adding in those ingredients that we've learned from world-class learners that have made them the best so that we can each update our own programming and become the best learners that we can be. We're really glad that you're here to share some time with us. We hope that this brings you exactly what you need today to better engage in your life and your learning. Today we're going to come at our podcast a little differently. We're going to start with a rant, if you will. So, you know, kick back, uh, bear with us, and uh, we'll see where this goes. We hear so often in the world of learning, in the world of education, fundamentally how important memory is. We hear all the time about how School these days mostly teaches facts that have to be regurgitated. We teach for the test, and the testing is all about how well do you remember the information that has been poured into you. And, you know, that has its place. But the result of that so often is one of a few things. Today, part of what uh, made us think about coming at our podcast this way was we heard from a young high school student, very bright, very capable, has always done very well in school, and now he's started high school and is basically bored out of his mind because teachers just get up and go on and on and on with, here are the factoids, here's the information and there's no deeper engagement of him. So he was telling us that he spends most of the time with an earbud in one ear listening to music just so that he can stay in the classroom and tolerate it. So what's wrong with this picture? If we start out with the understanding that the part of our brain that deals with memory is about the same size as the area in the brain of a rhesus monkey that uh, memorizes, has memory about things, we can see that not much of us really gets engaged when we're just working on learning facts, when we're just learning how to repeat things back. You know, parrots can do it at a certain level. So we're just taught to be uh, amplified parrots. That leaves out so much of a human being. There's so much of us that does not get developed, so much of us that doesn't get engaged. It is the most basic kind of learning and certainly not the most interesting part of learning. We also were talking to a colleague of ours that is involved in one of the very top graduate schools in the country and was told today that um, 
when laying out a, a teaching program, if they were teaching a new topic that they should think about three semesters. The first semester was all about just give them information, just give them data, just give them sort of a mental overview to uh, memorize. And then in the second semester, you can expand on that. And then in the third semester, you might have a little bit of real-world engagement so that all that information had a context, which to us seemed in some ways backward. But even if you reversed the sequence, so much would be missed. It seems to us from one perspective that the effect of schooling as it's typically done is to dim people down, is to turn off most of their capacity, is to make them uh, less creative, less engaged, less intelligent, less in so many ways that they could be. There is that older idea that looks at the word educate that goes back to the Latin root, educare, I believe, which means to draw out or to bring forth, to engage the capacity that human beings have so tremendously. We come into this world and, you know, we learn how to walk and talk and engage in the world in an incredibly powerful, really rapid way that is astounding when we look at it. And then we get to school and we're taught not to do it that way, but here is the data that you have to learn so that you can repeat it back. Well, there's probably not a kid in the world that when they're young learns that way. They learn through dynamic interaction with their world. They learn to see patterns and to explore and to try things out and to participate in a way that gives them ongoing feedback about what they're learning, how well they're learning, how well it is working for them. Are they able to engage with other human beings in a way that those people can understand them, can understand their needs, their insights, and connect with them in ways that are meaningful to them? Well, all that is sort of thrown out as soon as they get to school. And that highly concerns us. We have certainly done podcasts on how to develop a better memory. That's great. There's a place for that. There's a place for being able to learn certain facts. You know, we want to learn our ABCs. We want to learn uh, maybe even our multiplication tables. There's some value in coming at that that way, although there are better ways to even learn that but pretty soon that turns into the entirety of the learning experience. And so many kids just shut off because they don't see the purpose in what they are being taught in school. And so many of the teachers turn off because it's not a very interesting way to engage with their students. So the whole system 
has a tremendous limit to it. Now, we're guessing that none of that, none of what we're saying here is surprising. Probably all of you have observed this and maybe just given up and gone, well, yeah, but, you know, I have to somehow get the grades and get through and somehow that's going to lead to doing better in the world. And yet we find that some of the most successful people in the world didn't approach it this way. They are successful because somehow they kept their their insight, their engagement, their creativity, their greater understanding of patterns and principles and such alive. They developed those aspects of themselves. Maybe they did it well in school as well, in some cases not. But those are the qualities that lead most to success. The most successful people in the world didn't get there because they were able to repeat a lot of facts back that anybody that wanted to look up those facts had access to. That's not what leads to success and certainly not what leads to fulfillment in our life. And learning should lead to a much greater sense of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of purpose and fulfillment of that purpose, of meaning in our lives, and maybe a much greater capacity to make a difference in the world. When that goes out, when that's no longer the motivator, we see a lot of people end up with that idea of, how do I make a fast buck? How do I become an influencer? Or how do I come up with the trick that's going to turn things in my direction and I can quickly make a lot of money and then try and do something that somehow is meaningful. So that's what we want to explore some today. We want to make it very clear that we are not blaming anybody. We're not pointing fingers. There are a lot of really good people that are trying to make the very best of our educational system. We're quite fortunate in our country that There's been such a long history of public education and such a long history of people really working to make a big difference, as big a difference as they can in terms of bringing about the best education possible for our students here. Now, there are people that would say that our educational system is particularly set up to make people ready for the workplace, that our educational setup is to prepare students to be cogs in the machine, to be ready to respond to bells and timing and assignments and just doing the rote things that are necessary to get things done, that they're not truly set up to bring out the fullest potential in people. And there's no arguing with that. There is certainly a lot of evidence and experience that point in that direction. And there are people that have thought that that was what education was for. There are a lot of other people that are doing their best. There's so many teachers that went into teaching because they thought they could make a difference. They wanted to make a difference. They wanted to bring as much opportunity as they could to the students that they're working with. 
And some of those people have been continuing on and on to do everything they can to bring that about. And others are, in a sense, just sort of swallowed up by the circumstances of schools and rules and and funding and uh, all the mechanisms that they are engaged with. We know personally many people that have gone into education and spent years doing everything they could to prepare to go into the school system, and they had great ideas and all that, and they got inside of the system and found that they were stifled at every turn. Not because somebody had ill intention so much, but because that's the way that it has played out. That's where organizations too often get pulled into is trying to respond to so many different forces. They've come up with so many different rules and limits and perspectives that aren't necessarily the ideal. But it doesn't mean that anybody specifically or that most people are in somehow in this with ill intent. It is just the system that we've ended up with. And we've had the fortune to be in many other countries where they would have been incredibly grateful to have an education system as good as ours. So we want to look at it from that side as well. We do have many advantages. It just is that it could be better. And if we're the one caught inside of it and it's not working for us, that it can be, in many cases, damaging. We have been in situations where we worked hard to get students just the access to pencils and paper so that the two or three hours a day that they did get of schooling were a little more useful to them. We have had opportunity to try and provide computers and other resources so that they could get as much out of what education they got as they could. So in light of what's out there, what goes on around the world, we're in many ways well ahead. We also know of other places in the world where the educational system is much more tailored to the needs of the students and, again, how to educate, how to draw out of these students the fullest potential that they have. And with that drawn out, how those students, when they are brought to the fullest capacity that they have, how they get to contribute to society, the differences that they can make in our world. That's what we're hoping for. We certainly would love to see that take place. What we're trying to explore more here is what do we do with the circumstances that we already have? What do we do if we are in a situation where the way that school is conducted is less than ideal? 
certainly we can complain, certainly we can strive to make it better. All of those are fine. And in the meantime, what do we do? How do we survive? How do we thrive? As so many of us do, we sense that there is something much greater in us that we want to activate, that we want to engage, that we want to live out in the world. So many of us want to, in sensing that, make a real difference in the world. We want to contribute. We want to reach to our highest heights. Given our circumstances, given what we're facing day to day, how do we do that? In some ways, the whole of what we've explored here and learned to learn through the many, many podcasts that we've done are ways to address that. We want to speak to that even more specifically today in terms of exactly this issue. We are not trying to just address students here that do poorly in school. Students that are already really good at school are also affected by this. We have worked with so many students that are quite capable of pulling off good grades, and yet they are diminished by what they are encountering. They are diminished because they sit in classrooms getting lectures that are not relevant or assignments that are boring to them and just sort of require them to partially shut off and just grind through it. We're talking about everybody that is dealing with this. All of us have so much more potential than what we're tapping into. And the students that are having the harder times in schools, once we have been through some of these processes, often become the best students. They become the straight-A students that not only just get A's, but go on to do great things in their life. So we're looking at how do we upgrade the experience and the expression of all students. So let's talk about how we do that. The best place to begin with what to do about this is to begin with how we view ourselves, how we identify ourselves as a learner, as a success, as somebody that's capable of doing whatever it is that we've taken on to do, school or workplace or whatever. So often we have, as a result of what we have been exposed to, the way that schools have been oriented and engaged, is that our sense of self is diminished. That can happen a number of different ways. Sometimes, as we've talked about before, this comes out of just being sort of told or inferred that we're not good at learning. We didn't get good grades on something, or we were put in a special group, or on and on. There's all of that. On the other side of it, there is that message that happens for people that are very good learners, but school is far too 
restrictive or slow, or they're in a situation where the rate of learning is so slowed down that they get bored and, in a sense, lose interest in what is possible for them. And that, again, downgrades their sense of self. So we have to start there because if our sense of who we are isn't powerful enough, isn't big enough, isn't dynamic enough, we're not going to do anywhere near what our capacity is. We're not going to be able to uh, step up and engage because our internal sense of who we are, who we've become, is going to restrict us and restrain us. So no matter where we are on the spectrum, we want to start with what's our sense of self? And in doing that, there are a number of different ways to come at it. We could jump directly to beliefs and self-identity, and let's come back around to that today. But we want to start with that internal sense, that kind of small voice inside of us that says, I'm capable of so much more. I could do something beyond this, or my interests are so much more than what I'm encountering here, or there's a bigger world out there for me, or I could do something really significant in life, or maybe it's just that vague feeling of there's supposed to be more to life than this. There's so many ways that this can show up, and so many of us just disregard that and go, well, this must be the best it can be. It's not. So we want to tune into that feeling, that voice, that image, that sense that there is so much more for us, that there is more that's possible. We want to fan that flame. We want to cultivate that. We want to put more attention on that. We want to go, what if that is true? We don't want to give up on that. We want to amplify that. When maybe everybody around us is settling for less, or implying less, we want to go, nah, I'm going to be a little bit of a rebel here. I want to go past that. I want to live bigger than this. And one way to cultivate that is to experiment with possible visions of our future. And I think this is so fun. It's so interesting. It's so powerful if we do it right. If we sit down and begin imagining what if, what if over the next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the most outrageous things possible could happen for me and in my life. Now, so often when we do that, there is a part of our brain that comes in and goes, yeah, but, but what about this? What about this? We don't have the opportunity. We don't know the right people. We don't have the money. We don't have whatever opportunity it is that we think would be necessary to get there. Well, this is our imagination. In our imagination, if anywhere, we might as well win. We might as well take off the limits. We might as well play with this as though, if you will, our fairy godmother showed up every day, granted every wish and every opportunity and every support possible so that we can just peel off those limits. Whatever way you do that, you know, it doesn't have to be a fairy godmother that might not work in your world, but you get the idea. 
you know, what if the person out of nowhere that somehow for some reason believes in you and can connect you to all resources showed up and supported you fully? Then you walk through the next week, the next month, the next year, the next five years with that sense of, if anything's possible, here's where my life could go. And we want to do this in a way that lets us explore directions and dimensions that we might not normally. We might go, well, you know, if everything went well, I could end up being a CPA. Well, that's great. That could be a great profession. Are there other ones? Are there other possibilities? What if I ended up starting an organization or a company or whatever that made this huge impact on the world or that changed how kids around you saw themselves artistically or creatively or intellectually? What if, what if, what if? What if you ended up being the king or queen of the world? We want to take the limits off. And we want to explore those visions. We want to explore those possibilities, not just once, not twice, but over some period of time. And we want to explore them not just as a vague concept, but really what's it like if all of that happened, really stepping into that experience and making it as rich and as viable and as impassioned as possible, doing that will enliven that sense of who we are and who we can be. It will amplify that. It will begin laying down new neural pathways that let us begin to really experience ourselves in a very different way. Most often when we come up with these visions, they are arising from somewhere in us. They most often don't just come out of the blue and have nothing to do with us, particularly the ones that sort of catch our attention, the ones that when we imagine doing and being all that we can be, it engages something in us that lets us know that there's some truth in this, there's something real in this. And even though we've gotten messages to the contrary, even though we have used those messages to shut down our sense of ourself, our belief in ourself, our sense of what we can be, this kind of goes around that and re-enlivens that deep sense of yearning that we have that goes right to the core of what's in us that wants to be expressed. It's a little bit like watering a seed. When you water the seed, what that seed is supposed to be comes alive, and it comes into expression. It doesn't just sit there dormant. If you give it you know, some light and some heat and some water, up comes whatever it is supposed to be. The same with us, and this is a way to do that. This is a way to begin remembering, oh yeah, this is what I'm capable of. This is the direction that I want to go. And the more we cultivate that, the stronger that that becomes, the easier it is to overcome any of the programming that we've taken on, any of the 
conditioning that we have incorporated from the outside or that we have built in in response to that. At any stage of our life, this can be helpful. We think about somebody that we have had some interaction with recently that in their early 30s are saying that everything that they ever imagined, and their imagination was quite good, they've brought about. They are living the life that they hoped that eventually they would have, and they already have it in their early 30s. And so they took up this very same process of envisioning and dreaming about what else, what else could they be, and had to work continually to sort of take off the limits and go, yeah, there's that, but what else and what else? And that has launched them in a new direction that looks like we'll be even more successful. So we can do this at any time, any point in our life. Our imagination is one of the things that sets us as human beings apart from everything else here. We want to use it and we want to use it well, and this is a way to get there. Now, once we've done that, once we've awakened the sense of, oh, I could do this, I want to do that, I feel an urge this way, I feel a pull to do more, then we can take a look at what are the beliefs that stand in the way? What are the self-concepts that stand in the way? And we can begin changing those using some of the techniques and processes that we have laid out in recent podcasts. If you go back and listen to podcast number 76, 77, 78, those will take you through the whole process of being able to recognize those limiting beliefs and how to change them in a way that is very straightforward, very usable, and quite effective. We have to dare to believe that there is so much more to us, no matter what the experiences we've had, no matter what the messaging we've got. We have to dare to believe that we are so much more than we have yet given form to. For some, at first, you may hesitate. You may wonder, is that really possible? But the more you do this, the more you're going to find that something very powerful wakes up in you and you begin to sense that, that future that is waiting if we, again, just dare to step into it. Thank you for listening. Our purpose is supporting your capacity to learn and to attain all that you can imagine. We hope you use the perspectives and exercises that we have shared. Feel free to send us questions, ideas, experiences that might benefit our listeners via learntolearn.org, L-E-A-R-N-T-O-L-E-A-R-N.org. Finally, please help others by sharing our link with your friends, family, and other loved ones, since how you learn is how you live.